Good afternoon, everyone. Hope y'all been having a great day so far, and I think it's just going to keep getting better. All right. So um, does everybody have a booklet? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's turn to the front page. This has our itinerary, and it has the title for our outing. And I'm wondering if we could read the title together on three. One, two, three. We all like highlights, right? We've been in Exodus all the semester, and we're bringing out the highlights in light of eating, drinking, and flowing. And this message is going to be concentrating on the highlights of eating. So I hope you're all ready to see the Sports Center Top 10 highlights of eating in Exodus. So before we get into the highlights, um, just another quick overview of Exodus, very brief, bird's eye view. You know, God's people, they've been enslaved in Egypt for the past 400 years, but um, through the Passover lamb, they're redeemed, and through their crossing of the Red Sea, their water baptism, they are saved. They enter the wilderness, and now they're led by Jehovah. They're provided for by Jehovah, and then the Lord brings them to a mountain so that Jehovah can open his heart to them and give them a revelation of what he has been longing for since eternity past. And this is a revelation of God's building. And then Exodus climaxes in the building up of the tabernacle as God's dwelling place. And we have to keep in mind as we get into these items here and talking about Exodus, that Exodus, okay, it's the corporate aspect, okay, check this, the corporate aspect of the spiritual experiences of God's people. So when we go through Exodus, we're looking at a picture. A picture of a spiritual reality. And Israel's history in Exodus is becoming our autobiography corporately. So keep that in mind as we go through this. And, um, you know, eating, it is an indispensable requirement if God wants to fulfill his purpose. You take it away, God's purpose cannot be fulfilled. But if God can gain a group of eaters, eaters of Christ, God has a way to fulfill his purpose on the earth today. And that's the meaning of the universe. That's the meaning of our Christian life. That's the meaning of our church life. We are here for God's purpose. That he would have a dwelling place for his rest and for his corporate expression. And also when we talk about eating, we're talking about, we're going to be talking about eating Christ, of course, and this is altogether a spiritual matter. In John 6, uh, 6.57, the Lord says, he who eats me, he shall live because of me. And what he's talking about is something spiritual, because after that, in 63, verse 63, he says, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. So we're talking about a spiritual eating of Christ today. And um, we're going to be seeing what was eaten in Exodus, three main things. And with the food that we see in Exodus, okay, we want to see this food that was eating in the context of the story of Exodus. We want to see its spiritual significance because it's a picture of a spiritual reality. 
And we want to see how that can apply to us practically in light of God's eternal purpose. We have to put everything in view of God's eternal purpose. That's why we're here. Okay. So let's read the title together. It's one one word, but let's read it with our spirit. Ready, go. One more time. Ready, go. Awesome. Okay, let's read Roman 1 together. Ready, go. Okay, there's a verse underneath that, and this verse will show us the outline point of eating the Passover lamb with the unleavened bread. So let's read the verse there, Exodus 12, 8. Ready, go. And they, the Okay, so what's going on here? This is the night of the Passover. The Israelites, they have applied the blood on the doorpost with a bunch of hyssop. They're in the house eating the flesh of the Passover lamb. And they're also eating it with the unleavened bread. And, okay, what is the spiritual significance of eating the Passover lamb? That's what we have in the the next outline point. Can we read that? Ready, go. The eating of Christ as the Lamb energizes us to move out of Egypt to the world. Okay, first we need to see that that Lamb, the flesh of the Passover Lamb, that picture, what is the spiritual reality of that? Yeah. And that brings us to, that's what we have to see first, crucial. So that brings us to John 1.29. Can we read that? Ready, go. Okay, this is John the Baptist speaking. Here comes the man Jesus, and John says, Behold, that man right there walking this way, he is the Lamb of God. Amen. So it shows us Christ is the Lamb of God. And Christ as the Lamb of God, he continues, and in John 6, he has this wonderful speaking concerning eating and an eating of himself. And this is what he says here in John 6, 53a. So can we read that? Ready, go. For my flesh is true food. So here's the Lord speaking. He is the Lamb of God, and he tells people, my flesh is true food. You know what the true food is? The flesh of Christ. The flesh of Christ is the true food. And keep in mind, we're talking about something spiritual here. But the Lord Jesus Christ is our real food. He's been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's become so available to us as our food. And what does food do? Food supplies. It's our sustenance. It energizes us to do what? Remember, the the children of Israel. Yeah, bro. Come on. Come on. on. To do what, bro? To do what? You want to get in here, bro? Uh, The lamb energizes us to do what? Move out of Egypt. Amen. So remember, the eating of the lamb took place. The Israelites were still in Egypt. They were about to go on a long journey. They needed supplying. They need sustenance. They need energizing. What was going to be the energizing factor to propel them out of the world? It was going to be the flesh of the Passover. Lamb. So that is the reason that the Lord says my flesh is true food. He is the energizing factor for us to get out of the world. We can't do it by ourselves. In the world, okay, Egypt, uh, Egypt is a type of the world. And what is the world? Okay, the world briefly 
is Satan's system designed, tailor-made for each and every one of us to usurp, to occupy our time, our resources, our energy, our inward being so that we're kept away from God and we're kept away from God's purpose. That's the world. And so the solution to get out of Egypt, to get out of the world, is to eat Christ as the Passover lamb. He's the energizing factor. You know, outwardly it may look that the Israelites left Egypt. Actually, the land that they had eaten left Egypt because he was the energizing one propelling them out of the world. Okay, let me just give you a practical example of the world in my life um, and kind of how I get caught up in it and how I just need to eat Christ more Amen. to get out of the world. Right. Who, uh, who's, who are Android users here? Android. Raise your hand high. It's okay. We don't have to be embarrassed. We don't have to be embarrassed. Okay, Android users. Okay, have y'all heard of Google Now? Of course, right? Google Now. It can be very helpful, but for uh, those who don't know what Google Now is, you just like hold this button down on your phone, and what pops up is like these flashcards, which are tailor-made to, uh, man, Google has their algorithm. They know what you searched on Google and stuff, and they have these flashcards, whether it's like the weather or specific articles or places around you that are tailor-made for what you like. And so I find myself, Google now, I want to check the weather. Okay, that's usually the first flashcard that pops up. All right, great, it's going to be a great day. Okay, I can know what to wear now. Then then I just take a little scroll down, and whoa, there's a college football article there. All right, maybe I want to catch up on how spring football is going for the Longhorns. So I click, okay, then I'm reading it. And then next thing I know, it's been 30 minutes. I spent 30 minutes clicking on my phone when all I wanted to do initially was to check the weather. Thank you, Google Now, for uh, usurping my time and taking me away from God. That just shows I need to eat Christ as a Passover lamb to be energized to move out of the world. Okay, moving on to the next item that was eaten in Exodus. Okay, let's read um, the next point under there. B, ready to go. Okay, let's read the verses underneath there. Ready to go. So there's a lot here, but just a few points I want to bring out of this verse. Okay, we see that Christ is our unleavened bread in this verse because Paul says, For our Passover, Christ. Christ is not only the Passover lamb, but he's every aspect of the Passover. And an aspect of the Passover was the unleavened bread. And if Christ is the Passover, then Christ has to be the unleavened bread. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Christ is our unleavened bread. The unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And the thing is, you know, okay, leaven in the Bible signifies evil, sinful things. 
And there's only been one person that has ever walked on the earth that has ever been sinless. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that has never had any leaven within him. There was no evil in him. There was no sin within him. He is the only unleavened one. And Paul here in this verse, he says, purge out the old leaven. Purge out the old leaven. Okay. Well, Paul, obviously, like... um, we're constituted of sin. We have sin dwelling in our flesh. And uh, Paul, how are we going to do that? Well, the one who is sinlessness itself has become edible. You want to know how to purge the leaven, the evil, the sin from your being? You have to eat the unleavened one. Christ is our unleavened bread is the solution to overcoming our sin. Isn't that wonderful? Eating is the way. So we see with these two two matters, Christ is the Passover lamb and Christ is the unleavened bread. This is the solution to leave the world and overcome our sin. Eating is the way. I encourage us all, let's take this way. If you're having a problem with the world, eat Christ as the Passover lamb. If you're having a problem overcoming sin, eat Christ as the unleavened bread. Okay, so now we come back to the story of Exodus. And... um, In the night of the Passover, you know, the firstborn are all slain. Pharaoh's like, get them out of here. So um, after being energized by partaking of the Passover lamb, they all leave as an army. Um, They're headed out. Pharaoh changes his mind. And Pharaoh pursues. And they come to the border of the Red Sea. And the Israelites, they're thinking it's all over. They're done. They got the sea in front of them. They got Pharaoh and armies behind them. But... Praise Jehovah, he accomplishes a mighty salvation. The waters of the Red Sea are parted. Two parties go in. One party comes out. Pharaoh and his army are swallowed up. They're utterly destroyed. And the Israelites enter into the wilderness, led by the Lord as a pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. And they're journeying along. And, you know, on a journey, um, you need some provision. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm so glad that we had lunch right after our hike. Yeah. Because I was needing some energy. I was needing some provision. And And the Israelites, you know, they're just like us. They're on this journey. And you know what they become? They become hungry. And then they become hangry. No. I had to borrow that from my brother Chris here. They became hungry and angry. Hangry. Y'all like that? It's good, huh? It was Chris. I took it for him. You see, in Exodus 16, too, they're, they're murmuring. Murmur, murmur, murmur yeah. to Moses. We're hungry. Murmur, murmur, murmur. And then Exodus 16, 3. Okay, listen to what they say. And the children of Israel said to them, If only we had died by the hand of Jehovah in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole congregation with hunger. That's some serious complaining, right? Well, this brings us to the eating of the manna. And uh, again, remember, okay, with the children of Israel, that is a picture of the corporate experience of us today spiritually. Okay? So, come to the eating of the manna. Um, Can we read Roman 2, please? Ready, go. So, in 16.3... 
We just read the Israelites' response, uh, complaining, wish they had died. Um, and then this is the Lord's response. Oh, how sweet this is. This should be music to our ears right here. Exodus 16.4, let's read that. Ready, go. Okay, so that's the picture. The point underneath that explains the reality of the picture. So let's read that point. Ready, go. Okay, and we see that point in the verses underneath. So let's read the verses underneath. Ready, go. Here's the Lord Jesus Christ speaking, referencing Exodus 16 in his speaking, saying, Moses, he has not given you the bread out of heaven, but my father gives you the true bread out of heaven for the bread of God is he. The bread of God is he, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a man on the earth, a real living person telling people, I am the bread of God. I am the one who came down out of heaven and give life to the world. So the Lord Jesus Christ, he stepped out of glory, became a man, came down in incarnation as the bread of God, the living bread, the bread of life. And bread, just consider, we all had bread for our sandwiches today. Bread's not, not good for too many things, is it? No. You can't really build with it. No. Maybe you can sleep on it. It's kind of soft, kind of. Yeah. But, I mean, what is bread for? Yeah. Exactly. So when the Lord is saying, I am the bread of God, the bread of God is he, what is he trying to get across to people? Yeah. They would eat me. Yeah. And so what does the Lord do? He continues in his process, goes to the cross, is crucified, is resurrected, and becomes the life-giving spirit to be available as the reality of this food in Exodus 16 so that people can partake of him and he can give life to the entire world. Today the Lord is so available to the entire world to give life to him. He could just gain a group of people that would partake of him, enjoy him as the bread of God. Um, And this was, you know, this is supposed to be our daily life supply. But actually, okay, we're actually going deeper than that. Than the Lord Jesus Christ being our daily life supply. And that takes us to the next point. And this is a chunk here, y'all. So we're going to get into this. We're going to break it down. But um, how about this point is awesome. Okay. So what we're going to do, we're all going to stand up. And we're going to read this point together with an exercise spirit. Okay. Ready, go. Amen. Lord Jesus. And to live because of Christ in order to 
Amen. Amen. All right, y'all can sit down. Excellent. We're going to break this down. So this portion here starts off with deep truth. Why this utterance, deep truth? Okay, so the Lord, he had two million Israelites, Moses leading two million Israelites. And, of course, they needed to eat to just continue their existence. But that's just surface level, just surface level. We have to see what is intrinsic about why the Lord would change their diet and feed them this heavenly manna. It's much more than just something miraculous that the Lord did. Uh, There's something beneath the surface, and this is what we want to tap into today, and this is what we want to unpack. So in Exodus 16.35, this shows the Lord changing the Israelites' diet. So we, can we read that? Ready, go. So we see the change of diet by the children of Israel ate the manna 40 years. You know, uh, Jehovah, he put them on the manna 40 program. Y'all remember that from the college meeting at the beginning of the semester? He put them on the manna 40 program. And this was because they had previously been on the E-400 program. They had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, partaking of the Egyptian diet. They were on the E-400. Not good. And so the Lord comes in and puts them on the manna 40 diet, feeds them just manna for 40 years. And why did the Lord do this? The Lord did, the Lord did this because he needed to reconstitute his people. And we all know the saying, very famous, you are what you eat. They'd been on the E-400, so that means they had become Egyptian. The Lord needed a heavenly people, so he had to feed them something heavenly to reconstitute them. And this was, the reason this is, is because God has a purpose. Everything that he does is within his eternal, it's like... I have my eternal purpose in view, and everything that I want to do with my people is in line with that. And so in order for the Lord to gain his dwelling place, he has to have a reconstituted people with a heavenly element. That's right. So again, not just for their existence, but for reconstitution, and this is why the Lord changed their diet. So, this comes to this matter of being reconstituted with Christ. This is why the Lord changed their diet. And okay, this is just a simple definition of what it is to eat. To eat is to take food into us so that it may be assimilated organically into our body. Okay, check this out. This is from Stanford Institute for Stem Cell Research. Skin regenerates uh, every seven days. And every skeleton cell is replaced every seven years. Ty, can I get you to stand up here, please? So you look, you look at Ty's skin. In a, in a week, okay, every skin cell will be regenerated. And it'll have a, in, seven, in one week, every skin cell will be regenerated. You'll have new skin cells completely in seven days, bro. And if you look even deeper, 
in, his, in the core of his physical body, his bones. In seven years from today, every cell in his bones will be completely replaced and will be new from today. So, essentially, seven years from now, you'll be composed of something completely different wow. than what you are right now. But the question is, the construction materials that compose our brother that are going to make his skin cells and be totally new in a week, that are going to make his bone cells in seven years completely new, where are those construction materials going to come from? From his eating. Exactly. Eating food. Thank you, bro. You sit down, man. So the construction materials, they come from the food, not only what we eat, but what we digest and assimilate. This is crucial. You know, with the Israelites, they grew up eating the things of the world. They need to be reconstituted. God changes their diet. They need to eat him. But that's not enough that we would take God in. You consider your physical food. The sandwich that you just ate... Um, on the one hand, it doesn't do any good if it just stays in your stomach. That's right. You might feel the satisfaction of being full, but what about that sandwich being digested and assimilated so that the construction materials that were in that food could be built into you to rebuild your cells. And this is the same thing spiritually. We need a healthy spiritual eating, but we have to continue in the process so that we can be reconstituted with the heavenly element. We have to have a good digestive system. And with the Lord Jesus Christ, we eat him, we take him in. Um, This is by our spirit. Um, Our spiritual stomach is our human spirit by which we take in the Lord Jesus Christ as a spirit. He gets in there, but he doesn't want to stay there. He doesn't want to just stay confined in our spirit. He wants to make his home in our heart. He wants to spread in our being. And so when he comes in, he comes in as a real and living person. And then, you know, during the day, he's like, I kind of want to move into here, this part of your heart. And then he'll like, uh, he'll give us a little sense. Maybe that part of our heart of um, how we talk to our roommate. Or maybe the part of our heart that is concerned for our uh, presence on social media. Maybe that part. He's like, I want to get in there. And then he begins to move. But you know what? He'll never force his way in. For us to have a good spiritual digestion, he needs our cooperation. He needs an openness and thoroughfare in our being. And if we go along with the sense that the Lord gives us within, we say, Amen, Lord. I'll let you into that part. He has a way for him to come in and be assimilated so that he can be the very organic fibers and tissues of our spiritual man. So we see this is so crucial because actually this matter of us eating, digesting, and Christ being assimilated, building himself into us, this is the building work of God. So we need this healthy digestion so the Lord can have a thoroughfare and openness in our being to constitute us with himself. 
Isn't that good? Okay, so we have to appreciate God's way of feeding us. You know, He's feeding us just Christ little by little, day by day. And with the children of Israel, you know, it only took them one year to get out of Egypt. Boom. Problem solved. But what about the Egypt in them? What are you going to do about that, God? Well, He's going to take the way of eating, and it's going to take 40 years. One year to get them out of Egypt. 40 plus to get Egypt out of them. But the thing is, is that uh, we run into a problem. God runs into a problem. And this is the matter of our appetite. What we desire to eat, our cravings. And we see this with the children of Israel. So in Numbers 11, 4 through 6, this is what we see. So if we can read that, ready, go. And the mixed multitude that was upon him thus did exceedingly. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat and eat up for nothing. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and garlic. But now our appetite has gone. There is nothing at all but this man to look at. Ah, we're weeping. Oh, and it's even, uh, it says here, they lusted exceedingly. They're weeping. Our appetite is gone. There's nothing but this manna to look at. Manna every day, every day. Okay, remember, they've been eating the Egyptian diet for 400 years, causing an Egyptian element to be constituted into them. And, okay, out of that element that was constituted into into them, that was the source of their craving. That was the source of their appetite, which caused them to be, oh, our appetite is gone for this manna. We have all this to look at. So this is what we have to see, brothers and sisters. The reason is that we still crave the things of the world is because something worldly got into us. That's the source of that. And before we were regenerated, before we were baptized, we had a living totally in the world. And because we were in the, in the world, the only choice we had was to be on the worldly diet. And because we took in things of the world, they got eaten, they got digested, They got assimilated to be our constituent. And because we've been constituted with something worldly, that's why we crave the worldly things. And so this is what the Lord has. It was this situation with the Israelites. Gets them out of Egypt. Problem solved. Get Egypt out of them. Well, this is why he needs to reconstitute them. So he changes their diet. If you change your diet... You'll change your constitution, change your appetite, you'll eat more Christ, you'll get more Christ, have more Christ constant into you, and you'll want more Christ. So there's this wonderful cycle that the Lord wants to bring us to, and it all hinges on a change of diet. This is why it's so crucial that the Lord had to change their diet to something heavenly, because He desires a dwelling place, but the Lord there, He's providing the heavenly food, but He needs a group of people to have an appetite for this food. And if He can get something something heavenly into their being, then that heavenly element will crave the heavenly things. But the heavenly element element is also combating with the worldly element. So this is what's going on. We have a craving for Christ, but then also we have a craving for the world. What do we do? We continue eating Christ. And it's so wonderful because the Lord is so sweet. He knows this is our situation. He knows that I have a group of people that grew up in Egypt. 
They've been constituted with Egypt, and that's okay. Because every day, I'm going to feed them the wonderful Lord Jesus Christ as the bread of God. The reality of the heavenly manna. And he's going to get into them. And he's going to be digested by them. And he's going to be assimilated by them. And he's going to become their constituent. And he in them is going to crave for more of himself. Until eventually, there's a total change in appetite. And brothers and sisters, this has been my experience. I grew up loving college football. I love the Longhorns. I grew up bleeding burnt orange. My parents went here. My cousin went here. Aunts and uncles went here. I grew up going to games. I wanted to be a part of the football team. And I walked on in 2006 as a quarterback. Dream come true. And then for four years with this brother and with that brother, we ate football. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And it's kind of a force feed. It's like, you know, they open your mouth and shove college football in, you know. So it's a little bit of a force feed. But the point is, is that, man, I've been taking in a lot of college football for a lot, a lot, a lot of years. And that got worked into me. And that produced even a more craving for football. But in 2012, I moved out of the state. And because of my commitment when I moved out, my Saturday became occupied. (laughs) I no longer had a free Saturday to watch college football. And you better believe what was crying out. That football constitution was like, feed me, feed me, feed me. (laughs) Because it's what I've been constituted with and that was the source of my craving. It was was rough, just to say the least. But I also was in the regular, daily, small, normal eating of Christ as the reality of the heavenly manna. And I could say, it was tough the first college football season that I wasn't able to see, especially the Longhorns, really tough. But the next football season that came around, the appetite had grown less for college football. And the appetite for Christ had increased. Thank the Lord for his way. His way of reconstituting us by feeding us Christ, causing us to have a change of appetite. And I think many of us have this testimony in this room as well. Stillness reconstituting process. Yes, it's the Longhorn Spring game today, but I'm so much more happy to be with y'all. Praise the Lord. Eating Christ is the reality of the heavenly manna. And this is the way God has ordained. This is the way God trusts. Okay, this is the long way. This is the slow way. But he's the all-wise God. He knows how to gain his dwelling place. And if we could just line ourselves up with his way of the day by day, eating of Christ, digesting of Christ, assimilating of Christ. God has a way to work Christ into our being. Christ can make his home in all of our hearts. And God can have his dwelling place for his rest and his expression, all for his building. And that's why we have the next verses there, Exodus 16, 33 and Hebrews 9, 3 through 4, because we see the manna. These verses bring together God's building and the manna. So let's read the Exodus verse and the Hebrews verse. Ready, go. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a pot and a bushel over full of manna in 
So in Exodus 16.33, we have the omer full with the manna in it. It's placed before Jehovah. And then Paul goes on to describe God's dwelling place. And that hidden manna ended up uh, in the very core of God's dwelling place. You know, if you went to God's dwelling place, there was the outer court. You move in a little deeper, there's the holy place. You move in a little deeper, there's the holy of holies. You move in a little deeper, there's the ark. You move in a little deeper, there's the golden pot. And you move into the deepest part. You run into the hidden manna as the focal point of God's building. The focal point is just the center of attention, the center of interest. We see that the manna that we have eaten digested and assimilated is intimately related to God's building. And this is the way that God can have his building work today. And uh, just to conclude here, we got some ways to eat Christ. How about our companions? Praise the Lord for companions. And it's wonderful. The etymology of companions is tremendous. Companions, companions with bread. Our, our dear saints from South Texas. Pan. Te amo pan. Pan de vida. Amen. That's wonderful. So I hope all of us, if you're to ask, if I'm to ask you, who are your companions? Those whom you break bread and eat bread with. Those whom you eat Christ as the bread of life with. I hope you can write down one, two, or three names of those ones. You can say, I eat Christ as the bread of life with these ones. So wonderful. Come together with our companions, open the word, and enjoy Christ as the bread of life. The reality of the heavenly manna. And then the second point here is this matter of morning revival. You have the personal aspect and you have the corporate aspect. And one interesting characteristic of the manna was that it fell with the dew. It came with the dew in the morning. And when the sun became hot, the manna melted away. So the Lord says they need to gather the manna every day. But if you didn't wake up in time to get the manna, enjoy the manna, it's gone. And how this relates to us today in our Christian life is that we need to have a time in the morning at the beginning of our day enjoying Him as the reality of the heavenly manna. We can do this personally. We can do it corporately. And both of this both of these matters line up with Exodus because Exodus and the eating of the manna is daily, small, normal, but this is God's way. And this is what we want to enter into so that Christ become our very constituent, can build himself into our being, and as he's building himself into our being, we're being built up together as God's dwelling place so that he can finally, after millennia, have his rest and have his expression. So that is the highlight in Exodus of eating. And I think, brothers, we're going to have some overflow time. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, okay, we're, we're, all right.